Welcome to the Supplemental Podcast. We are two licensed therapists sharing our therapeutic and personal perspectives. We hope this clinical and applicable insight will inspire you and challenge you to grow. All right, so today we're talking about the difference between healthy distraction versus avoidance. But first, we want to welcome you to the hood as usual. I am Tegan Darnell, your licensed trauma therapist. And I am Emma Orthel, your licensed clinical counselor. And we are passionate about discussing all things related to adulthood, personhood, and livelihood through a clinical and personal lens. Our mission is to help you grapple with a variety of topics and how they connect to you in your own hood. We don't have all the answers, but we do have some insights and we're excited to share them with you. So let's get started. We'll jump right into it. So first off, Emma, my first question would be, is there a difference between healthy distraction versus avoidance? Yes, I would say there is a difference, um, which it's a very good question because I think it's one that can be very um, maybe confusing or hard to tell sometimes which is which. So maybe we can unpack that a little bit. Mm-hmm, that can be a very fine line. Yes. But yeah, I think my gut in my gut reaction to that is there's absolutely a difference. And um, that line is, like I said, kind of hard to tell um, and probably blurred over quite often. Um, Cause I think if we're being honest, this is not a question people probably ask themselves very much. Um, probably not. <laughs> like, Hey, am I avoiding something or am I just trying to distract? Cause I'm overwhelmed. Um, so yeah, I would say that it's probably um, overlooked quite a bit. So one of the things I usually think about when it comes to the difference, cause I agree, like healthy distraction it's difficult to distinguish from just being avoidant. And I think of healthy distraction as kind of like a choice. It's a choice and intentional choice that's made when something is going on and you're like, if I go down this nasty thought spiral, I'm going to end up in a very dark, weird place. So I'm going to mindfully distract myself. Or right now we're in the middle of the COVID-19 pandemic and people have a lot of time on their hands with themselves. And sometimes the healthiest thing to do is to just healthily distract so that they don't just disappear into all sorts of overanalyzing or whatnot. So usually I think of healthy distraction as a form of a choice versus avoidance just being like this default thing that happens or an automatic reflex when something uncomfortable comes up. But I don't know. Um, What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I was going to say not to be nitpicky, but to totally be nitpicky. Um, (laughs) I welcome it. I love it. (laughs) Something that I think is so powerful is that it's a healthy distraction. Because um, it needs to be healthy because going through something stressful or being overwhelmed or having that feeling of, I just don't want to do this right now, a unhealthy distraction would be like, I'm going to sit at home by myself and get hammered, or I'm going to like go make irrational decisions. That could also be a distraction slash avoidance. Um, But the distinction here is that it's healthy. And I agree with you that it is um, an intentional choice to make that healthy decision of I am overwhelmed right now or my plate is too full and there is a way that I can separate from this and I can do that in a healthy way and a productive way and um, kind of fill my cup back up type of thing. Yes. So take, to take that a step further, when can distraction be a beneficial and healthy choice? If you have some examples from your clinical work or just even personally. 
Yeah. So I was trying to think about this and I think I have a couple thoughts maybe. Um, one is that I think distraction can, can be healthy distraction can be a very good tool for emotional or mental, what we like to call self-care. And if I'm being honest, I kind of hate the term self-care. Um, but it makes sense, I guess, because you're caring for yourself. And I think distraction, um, can have a lot of healthy ways in that. So just feeling mentally or emotionally spent, you know, that you're exhausted and you just need a minute or a break or whatever it is. A distraction, um, can be a good thing. So maybe for someone that would be, they are overwhelmed with their work and they just need to close it and put it down and go play with their kids. And that might be a distraction and that might be totally worthwhile and totally good. Or it might be, I have all this work to do when I get home, but instead I'm going to go play rec league volleyball because that's <laughs> a distraction and that's okay. Cause it might be good for my emotional and mental place to have a break. Um, and another example that I was kind of thinking of is this one. I have two sides to it, but um, I think humor. I see this a little bit in yes. um, in my work. So I have a few clients in particular. One in in particular that uses a lot of humor, and she kind of flirts with that line of "Is this a healthy distraction or is this avoidance?" Um, and I think it can be both. I think it can act. It can absolutely be. Um, humor can be brought in as like, I'm at total max capacity and overload and all I can do is laugh about this right now. <laughs> and I don't think that's always bad. I think sometimes Not it's actually very, very good. Um, but like I said, which we can get to in a minute maybe, but that it can also be a little bit of avoidance. But yes, it, it can. And those are fantastic examples. And to build on those, I mean, I would relate to all of those with clients too. And with some clients, I, especially my highly sensitive clients, we talk about the term analysis paralysis, which is not my term. Someone else somewhere came up with a wonderful um, catchphrase, but the analysis paralysis that comes up for those who are highly sensitive or thinkers, or sometimes I'll say like you have a really sticky brain, those kinds of people sometimes find themselves just creating the worst case scenario of all time in their head or assuming that people are thinking certain things about them or just playing out these narratives that are actually more destructive than beneficial. And that's when we'll talk about healthy distraction as a tool for them. And I always talk about how it's a fine line where I don't want you to just table every issue that you have and don't think about it and just distract yourself and avoid, but rather go, okay, I really probably should just take a mental break from the weirdness that's happening in my head right now. And I know that it will pass through and that's actually what I need right now. So it comes to that back to that point of it being uh, a cognitive choice that's made versus like an instinct or a default. Mm -hmm. Another thought I have real quick on that is that, um, cause we're talking about what could be beneficial about this distraction or what would be the healthy choice. Um, I think in my mind, it should be something that is going to fill you up or rejuvenate you to some degree so that when you do get to the place of, I have to deal with this overload or this mountain or this whatever, the chaos, um, then you have a little bit of surplus to help you deal with it. But if that distraction is, again, not healthy or just not very fulfilling or productive, um, I think it ends up working against you. That is very well said. And I think that distinction helps clear up that really kind of vague sense of what, what's healthy and what's not. But that's really, I think, 
helpful to consider when people are making that choice. Mm -hmm. So bouncing onto the idea of what might be unhealthy distraction or what we're calling avoidance, what might be some examples of how distraction can be overused and turn into avoidance? Yeah. So, um, like I said, humor, which can be great and it can be bad. Um, I, the same client that I think uses it for good also totally uses that humor distraction as a way of, you know, we can totally laugh this off and I'm not actually going to deal with all these problems. Um, and it's, it's funny, but it's really not long-term. So, um, I think that can definitely be one that is easily overused and then turns into avoidance quite easily. Um, another thought I had is that um, I think a common problem in this day and age is that we all are so okay with being overly busy. And mm -hmm. I think that is a distraction from a lot of really big things in our life. And if I'm going to get real, <laughs> I think people can use busyness to distract from dealing with the glaring problems in their marriage. And they can use busyness to distract from... Um, issues with parenting or family or issues within themselves. And it starts as a distraction. Um, I have all this stuff going on with work. I have all these work obligations, but I think that one slips very quickly and easily into avoidance because those are big issues and they take a lot of um, emotional time and energy and all of that. And I think it can be a very common one that is hard for people. That's really interesting to think of busyness as a numbing agent, essentially, mm -hmm. where mm -hmm. your mind is so preoccupied that you don't actually have to feel anything mm -hmm. uncomfortable or process anything through. Mm -hmm. And it works really, really well too. Mm -hmm. I almost feel like there's a little bit of detox sometimes after being super busy in a phase of life and then coming off of that and having a bit more time. It's almost uncomfortable to not be busy for a period of time because actual emotions come up or actual things that are uncomfortable come up. So mm -hmm. I think that that is really good food for thought and adding to it, the busyness, if we're using that example or whatever the avoidant behavior might be, the, the, de the detriment of it, I think is you never end up actually addressing what was happening. And so, I mean, there's the cliche of like, you're getting, you're building up baggage or there's a mountain of stuff or you're sweeping things under the rug, all of those cliches. But when I think of never addressing things and being pain avoidant, what I think of is the missed opportunity to learn. And so what I think people are robbed of when avoidance becomes the default mode is they're robbed of learning opportunities that would actually spare them of suffering or extreme suffering in the future. Because each time you go through a negative emotional experience or even a negative physical experience, you learn from it and your brain creates neural pathways around, okay, next time this comes, I remember this happened. This is what I did. And here's how I processed through it. And so it's almost as though like avoidance takes away, it can take away your edge a little bit or can just perpetuate levels of extreme pain that don't have to happen if you're dealing with things little bit by little bit and just taking care of the maintenance of, of life essentially, because we're human and sometimes it just sucks to be human. Um, mm -hmm. And then I think of unhealthy avoidance or disavoidance in general showing its form in, it's very versatile. So it can be through food or it could be through substances. It could be gambling, porn, video games, shopping, uh, obsessing over appearance. Like I think a lot of the time, addiction takes a catch-all with like substances 
-hmm. but behaviors I think are just as powerful on how we might use avoidance without even meaning to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All of that is so good. And, um, you said something in there that, that really caught my attention that, um, I think we, we just so forget about the emotional impact of a lot of things because we tend to stay on the cognitive side of things and only consider the surface because the emotion is just too deep. And I think that's true for everything that you mentioned, whether it be the addictions or the other stuff, because you brought up like not avoiding that confrontation or avoiding that conflict or whatever it might be, you're missing the opportunity to learn. And I think we avoid it because it's, it's emotionally scary and it's uncharted territory. And, um, I understand why all of us can feel that way at times, but, um, from the therapeutic side, it's so sad that a lot of people have that fear to go there. Um, because Mm -hmm. there is so much that you can learn from it. Like that makes me think of marriage that we avoid conflicts with our partners or misunderstandings because we don't, we just don't want the conflict or we don't want, the stress, or we know, quote unquote, that it's going to turn into a fight. So we avoid it, but we miss out on an opportunity for us to learn about what they need. And we are robbing them of the opportunity to learn from us, you know? Um, so yeah, I agree. And it's funny that you said something that you, I can't remember how you said it, but about being obsessive with, I think you said obsessive with how we look, that that can be an issue for some people. And I noted that, um, a health, a distraction that can turn into an unhealthy avoidance is obsession with others. And I think this Mm. is, I wasn't around a hundred years ago, but I think that this (laughs) is a serious problem. We have, um, we just have way too many means of comparison in our world and it is nearly impossible to avoid. And that is a pandemic in my opinion of feeling that you have to compare your image and your business and your success and your size and your income and all of this stuff and your followers and your likes, you have to compare all of this to all these other people. And sometimes people will describe now that I'm on the topic of social media, they'll describe that as a distraction. Like Mm -hmm. I get home from work and I just mindlessly scroll, but it turns into this comparison game and all of that. And then there's this all these internal things well up and there's maybe stuff to deal with, um, for a person individually and it goes to avoidance cause it's too hard and it's too big and it's too scary. And that in and of itself, I think is a whole nother episode. I would love to mm-hmm. dive into that and pick it apart because there's so many degrees of truth in there. And what I step back and look at is the intention with the example of opening up the phone and looking at social media, which again, there's great things about it and not such great things about it. It's can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. It can just start out as self-care. Like I'm, I've had a really long day. I just need to check out. I just need to relax. And then it subtly can shift into total avoidance and then into comparison and unmeaningly hating your life because you didn't match up in this way. And it happens mm-hmm. so rapidly too. So I would love to to deconstruct that together in another episode again. And to play devil's advocate here and throw a little bit of a curveball, why do you think that avoidance feels so good sometimes? That's a great question. Um, I, you know, just off the top of my head, I think it feels so good because we can hide in it. Mm-hmm. And I think there's something, maybe it's in our human nature or 
um, and just how a lot of us are wired or what, what the world around us looks like. But I think there's something that we, we can, if we don't feel protected on the outside, we feel like we can protect ourselves. And if we can hide and avoid that thing, even if it's an internal thing, we can trick ourselves into thinking we're hiding from it and then we're in control and we're protecting ourselves from this scary emotional thing or this other, whatever it is. Um, I think it gives us a sense of the balls in my cart in my court and I get to decide how this goes. It's maybe a false sense of security or control. And I think that's why it can feel so good. And that's why it can last for so long Yes, <laughs> because you're in control. And if you let all of that out, then it doesn't feel so controlled and it doesn't feel so secure for a moment. And it can even mask itself as feeling like you are coping, like that feeling of, oh, I feel good. I feel unaffected. I feel unfazed can really feel like, oh, I feel well, nothing is actually wrong. I didn't have to process that. It's all good. Move along. Mm -hmm. Um, which again, makes it that really fine line. And I think when I say this to uh, some people might be avoiding things, I'm probably avoiding things that I don't even know I'm avoiding. I think the intention a lot of the time is not to even do it. And so maybe part of the first step, which we could kind of add into our final thoughts, like, what do you think the first step towards not avoiding might be, or like, trying to find that healthy balance between distraction versus total avoidance. So I'll kind of add in my thoughts about it. It would be awareness, just being curious with yourself in a moment where you go, oh, like I'm feeling some kind of way and it's not very comfortable. Mm. Mm, I would really like to not feel this anymore. Okay. This is what those ladies on the podcast were talking about. Huh. Is this a moment where I am choosing to healthily distract and that's actually beneficial or am I totally avoiding this? Uh, mm -hmm. Might be one idea for a starting point for building awareness. What are your thoughts? Yeah, um, my thoughts are along the same lines. I was going to kind of bring into like, um, sounds a little hippie, but being <laughs> aware of your body. Um, I think our bodies are such good tellers of what's going on with us. And I honestly think our bodies tell us what's going on before our minds do. Um, but we tend to look at it opposite. And so... Um, if, if a person can start to, in, um, be a little bit more in tune to what's going on in their body, they might recognize, um, a little bit more clearly. I just feel stressed and my plate is really full. That might be one option, but it might actually be, I'm absolutely overwhelmed and my anxiety is through the roof and I don't know what to do. <laughs> and, um, there you, you might learn that there's a different sense in your body for those two things. And being able to pick up on that is a really good thing because then you can ask those questions that you said of like, okay, where am I at? Am I trying to just find a healthy distraction because I'm a little bit at max right now, or am I totally avoiding this thing? So I definitely think that it's an internal process first, and it requires a person to slow down and assess themselves. The other thing I would say maybe as like a test for is this distraction or is it avoidance is if you, abs if you totally slow down and start to think about whatever it is that's bothering you or that's going on or that's overwhelming, what does rise up in your mind, body, emotions? And if it's overwhelming, <laughs> you might be avoiding <laughs> because it's overwhelming. And if that's the case, that's not necessarily bad. It just shows you what you have to work with. And there's lots of things then from that point to move forward with 
um, trying to address that, whether that be on your own or seeking help. Um, I think it's a good place to start because then you know what you're working with. It is a good place to start and to drive that point further home. The more you practice discerning the difference between healthy distraction versus avoidance, it seems it might actually get easier with time. And I really like that piece that you added in about the body and the cues um, in such a way, like if you pay more attention to those cues, they become more familiar and you can recognize, oh, this is anxiety. Huh, weird. I didn't even know that I was anxious what's happening. Mm-hmm. And it happens, that becomes the new default if you're more avoidant than not. And it can be easier with time, even if it feels really overwhelming and uncomfortable. Yeah. First, like and to give kind of a, um, one final thought here, like a, a therapist context for you, I think most therapists would agree that a, a major goal of all of our work is that when you come to our office, you are in a safe, um, secure, warm, accepting, non-judgmental environment that will produce growth. You know, um, hopefully that's the goal of most therapists. And I think one of the biggest things there is that if we can provide that safe place, um, in here is where a person would be able to share some of those hard things. And um, hopefully I can make this connection clear, but anyone can learn to have that same safety within themselves as well. They don't have to go to therapy. If they can learn that on their own and internally and do that work, they can have that own safety and security within them. But that is something that kind of has to be learned. And as soon as that safe feeling is there, um, then there can be a a lot more work done on, all right, what's really going on here? What's really bothering me? Can I figure this out? Yes. I don't think I would add anything to that that sums it up in a beautiful way. And it's an invitation at the end of the day. When we go through pain, we can learn or we can shut it down. But either way, 